Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So friends, I am so excited that we are finally back for season nine of the podcast. I have missed you guys. I'm also really, really excited about this episode. I have some big news to share with you, and here to help me share it is my sweet husband, Carl Wilson. Now, if you guys follow me on social media, you may have already seen the big news, but if not, here it is. I am pregnant. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying those words out loud. It's still so crazy to me. So while I'm so happy to finally get to share this news with you guys, the reality is that our journey to get pregnant was really long and far from easy. And that's why both of us are here today. We want to catch you guys up on what we've been going through over the last few years, because I know that some of you guys are walking this road right now too. Friends, if there's anything I want you to take away from this episode, it's this. You are not alone. Seriously, whatever you're facing right now, whether it's pregnancy difficulties, health issues, job loss, a breakup, or anything else. I hope this episode reminds you that you're not alone. God has you in this, and even when it doesn't feel like it, you can trust Him. I promise, and even better, so does He. But before we dive in, I actually have another piece of really big news to share with you. Things have been a little busy behind the scenes over here if you can't tell. So not only do we have a baby on the way, but I also have a brand new prayer journal coming out soon too. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. Guys, this is the prayer journal I have needed in every between place throughout my life. This is the prayer journal I needed when I was wondering if I would ever get married, and then when I was wrestling with the idea that I was about to get married. It's the prayer journal I needed through lost jobs and moves across the country and starting a business. And it's the prayer journal I've needed throughout this whole infertility journey. And actually, not only is this the prayer journal I've needed during this season, I actually wrote the whole thing as I was walking through it. My hope is that through this prayer journal, you find what I've found around every uncertain corner, in every between place, and what I'm currently finding out all over again right now. That no matter how uncertain life looks, we serve a very certain God. No matter how bad our circumstances feel, God is always good, and He can bring good up and out of even the most tragic of messes. I'm praying that through the 100 days of this journal, God fills you with peace for your future. I'm praying that with that peace, you're able to truly savor the present He has you in today. And I'm praying that through this prayer journal, He also equips you to come back to that place of peace whenever the next uncertainty crops up. The journal will be coming out in August, and I'll be sharing a lot more with you guys coming up. Um, But I'm so excited to finally get to tell you about the between places. I cannot wait to get a copy in your hands. Okay, friends, without any further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Carl. Hi, guys. Oh, I'm so happy that we are back. It has been a while since we have been here at Girls' Night, and I'm so happy that we're finally kicking off Season 9. Um, so for the fact that it's called Girls' Night, um, we're kicking this season off in a little bit of a weird way because my guest for today is a boy. But it's like our resident boy, the only boy who ever has graced the airwaves of Girls' Night podcast, Carl Wilson, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, so 
we'll get into this in a minute, but Carl, really quick for those of, for the women who haven't gotten to hear from you before, can you tell us who you are, what you do? And I didn't give you a heads up about a fun fact. So if one pops into your head, that's okay. Man, I just the other day thought of something and I thought, man, the next time somebody asked me for a fun fact, I've got one. And of course, of course, I know. I, I need to just write it on my hand all the time. I think I have a note in my phone that's like Stephanie's fun facts, good. but I don't know how to find it. Like good. it's it's buried. So, well, uh, one good one is that that more often I'm gonna jump in t- to the end first. That uh, more often than not, despite not being any kind of fan in particular, the songs that get stuck in my head most often are Kelly Clarkson songs. <laughs> That is a fun fact you shared it's a with fun me. Fact. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Carl, now that we know that, <laughs> now that we know your fun fact, uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Um, I am Stephanie's husband, and I have a marketing and branding agency, and we help people figure out um, how to tell the story that that they really want to be telling. And sometimes, when you start something new, especially a business or a nonprofit or you know a personal brand or whatever, when you're just getting going. Part of the getting going is the figuring out of what makes you special and what makes you valuable to other people and where your what your spot is that you fill um, in the world. And so once you've done that for a while, you start to get more and more um, confident in that. But a lot of times, the things that you know represent you and your brand aren't because you created them when you were starting or or because you just never had a chance to change them or because you're just by yourself or because your you know priorities are other places all the different things you're the story you're telling to other people doesn't look like the story you want to be telling it's like your website doesn't match your heart yeah, yeah that that your or your you know products and the the packaging that you have and your products doesn't reflect the uniqueness of the product or the heart behind the product or what's um you know the the special thing about the who that product is designed for. And so we work with people who are ready to take kind of the next step in, in building their brand and um, need some help doing that. So it's really rewarding and really fun because it's usually, you know, the people that we work with, they're still at a place where like it's small and, and there's like, it's still like the passion is really fresh. You know, the, the belief and the heart behind it is still really accessible. It's not limited to a couple people and it's not been lost by years of like bureaucracy or years of like having to like, you know, really cross all the T's and dot all the I's that there's still some messiness. And I think there's really cool opportunity in the messiness of, of things that are in that stage. I love that. I love that. I love the work that you get to do. Okay, so Carl, I have you here for a very specific purpose, and I've been really excited about this episode. I mean, we've known for two years that we wanted to to do this episode, so the fact that it's happening today is really pretty crazy to me. So I think maybe first we should say we have some news that we're really excited to share with Team Girls Night. I feel like, do you want to say it? No, you. Okay, I'll say it. I'll say it. We're pregnant. We are. We are. This is one of those things. This is one of those things that you realize that you don't have it. Like you don't realize you have an opinion on. And I get that people are on both sides of this and that's okay. If you feel really strongly, I have a really hard time. If Stephanie says we're pregnant, great. I have a really hard time saying we're pregnant, 
because that feels like I'm trying to like take credit for something that she is very much doing a lot of like all of the work on. She, <laughs> I wouldn't like very clear. I'm involved as much as I can be, but in the context of what's happening, that is very minimal. And so when people are like, oh, we're pregnant, like Stephanie is like, is the one who is doing all of this work. And I'm just trying to like help. <laughs> it just feeds me, really. Yes, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Well, so <laughs> I am pregnant. And we are having and a baby. We are, we are Stephanie having... is pregnant. We are having a baby. Yeah, we're having a baby. There we go. Um, so we're super excited to tell you guys this. And I think probably by this point, we will have posted on Instagram about it. So maybe this is the first you're hearing of it. Maybe we're friends on Instagram and you got to see our little our photo that I put up. But to me, in, in thinking about how to share this, I didn't, it felt, I just was really positive that we couldn't put up a photo and just say, like, we're pregnant, we're having babies, so exciting, period. Because that's it's not a that's not a period for us there this isn't a short story this isn't an easy story and and i think that it i like i think it does it doesn't do the story justice it doesn't do god justice and it's not it's not like it doesn't do the good things that i feel like yeah god has in store oh, i don't know I, I don't know how to say that yeah i just, just like misses like there's more to the story than what is there if you just like show a picture of an ultrasound yeah. and say who hey, are pregnant. Yeah. So um, we want to tell you guys the story and we haven't shared this publicly at all. As mm -hmm. you know, as you guys know, this is the first you're hearing of it, uh, but we're really excited too, because we know that we're not the only people who have been or are going to be where we've been. Um, and we just, our hope and our prayer for this is that through this story, we can just offer anyone who needs it, some hope. And even if you're not trying to have a baby right now, like maybe you just need a hope, like some, a reminder that God shows up mm -hmm. or that you're not alone in going through hard things. And so we're just hoping to be really good friends to you guys and just to, to be with you and to just say, Hey, whatever you're going through right now, you're not alone. So what we did was we had my amazing community manager, Kate, put together some questions. She's been kind of in the know throughout this thing um for us and so um she put together all the questions that she knows that you guys would be asking yeah. um if you knew to ask them and so carl and i are going to kind of switch off um asking the questions and so i'm going to kick it off before Car before we yeah. dive in i just want to give like the disclaimer this for us is a an exciting story and a story of hope and answered prayers and really good things. But we know and we're sensitive to the truth that this is a challenging thing for people. This is like the process of getting pregnant, of, of having kids, of all the things, good, bad, exciting, sad, painful, uncertain that come along with that can be a lot of things to a lot of different people. And so I we want to share this with you and we want this to be a, an exciting thing, whether you're thinking about kids or not, there's like God is in this story. And so if you're looking for a, a good story of, of God in it, this is it. And if you've had a hard time, there's also that in this, but also if it's still really fresh for you or you're not, if you think that this could be a traumatic thing to talk, like to hear about, or yeah, you have permission to not listen. You have permission to turn it off and and to do what you need to do and 
and that's okay. We're just, I know that's a hard thing for people. And so don't, don't feel bad. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we were going to talk about this a little later, but I just want to say it now. I think that, you know, you guys, as you're listening to this, maybe wondering like, why didn't you guys tell us like when you were in the thick of it? Like, why, why did you wait until there's a bow on this story to share it? And we really talked about that. You know, I mean, this has been almost a two year process for us. And we really talked about, and, you know, we had friends and family ask us like, are you guys going to share this? Like, I mean, it would be a kind thing for you guys to talk about what you're going through because you're definitely not the only ones. And so we really thought about it. But the thing that I'm learning about myself personally is that there are some times when I'm going through something hard that I can talk about it simultaneously, Mm -hmm. but most of the time I can't. And it's just because if I'm thinking about how to, how to frame, how to like explain whatever I'm going through, I'm not as present in it. And throughout this process, I've been too sad and too confused and too frustrated and too all over the place to be able to put any words to it. And even to the point where like, I tend to be a pretty open book, especially with my friends and my family. Like, I mean, I don't like, I, there's just really not a lot that I'm, that I don't want to share, but there have been times, I mean, we didn't tell our families for a long or anyone for a long time in this. There were just times where we both were like, we need to just hold this close to our chest. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt that way this strongly before. Yeah. And so like, I almost want to like apologize for waiting until there's a bow on it. Cause I, I know that it's sometimes a lot more powerful to talk to someone when they're in the thick of something. But I think that that's just something I've been learning about myself is like, I don't, there are a lot of times, especially if it's something that's been like, this has been so hard. Mm. I couldn't go through it and share about it at the same time. Yeah. And so that's why we've waited until it's just, it's just not as, it's not quite as tender as I it was. I think that's a pretty good lead in to like the beginning of like yeah. how this started or whatever. So what's, what's the first question? So our first question is, how did you guys know that you were ready to start trying to have kids? And this is like kind of loaded for us. <laughs> so Carl, what would you say? Yeah. Um, the, thing that stands out to me is that I think we didn't know at the same time. And we had thought about it or, or talked about it and we were really not in a hurry. We were both had, had things that we still wanted to do together and things we wanted to do individually before we were ready for that part of our life. And if it, if it would have happened, it would have been happy and exciting and, and that would have been fine, but it, it didn't. And so, um, well, we were actively trying for it not to happen for like, years. yeah, right. Yeah. If there was some kind of like fluke or something, accident, yeah. right. Then yeah. But we had other things that, you know, career things and we wanted to travel and we wanted some time for it to just be the two of us and to invest in our, our businesses and the things that we're building and to invest in our relationship and, and friendships and all of those things. And so um, we weren't in a hurry, but then, as time went on, we kind of started talking more about it. And I think one of the things too, was that we had friends who started to have kids and we really love their kids and we really love um, being around them and, and their kids. And I think that had a lot to do with the desire to, well, like the realization that like, yeah, I think we're ready now. I, I hesitate a little bit talking about this because I know that as women, like we are all over the board on this. I don't know how often 
I get to hear women reflect like what I'm about to say. And so a little bit, I like have felt a little bit alone in it. Like maybe I'm doing something wrong, but I would tell someone else, you're not doing anything wrong. And so I'm like preemptively saying that to myself. There was a time, I think my whole life, I thought it's not that I've wanted kids my whole life. It's that my whole life, I've thought that at some point I would. And as we got married, so want yeah, that yeah. I want kids. Like yeah. at some point I was like, I'll get to a Someday certain age. I'll turn whatever age, age and it, suddenly I will want to have kids. Right. Yeah. So we got married and nothing. <laughs> did not want <laughs> to have kids. Did not want to have kids. Yeah. I mean, the idea, and, and to be fair, I really struggle with permanent life decisions. Like yeah. if you guys like have heard the story of like, I mean, Carl's amazing. He's been amazing the whole time I've known him. And I had some major panic attacks about getting married just, and I didn't even see that coming. Like I just making really big permanent life decisions. Maybe there are people it's easy for, but it's incredibly difficult for me. Sure. And so I had so many doubts. I had so many fears. I, I was a, like, I, I don't know. I, I just really struggled with the idea of like, what it would mean. And, and I had a whole bunch of like falsehoods in my mind, like a whole bunch of lies. I was believing that like my, like people say like, they act like your life is over. And for a long time, I sort of believed that or like travel now, because once you have kids, you'll never be able to. And like that paralyzed me for a really long time. And, or like, will I have to give up my work? I don't want to give up my work. Um, there were just all kinds of things. And so you were so patient to talk with me through those things for like, years. Mm. And then my girlfriend started to have kids and they were so patient with me being like, like asking questions you shouldn't ask people. <laughs> um, like, like, so you really like your kids, right? <laughs> like you, like you genuinely like them. Uh-huh. I mean, I've never done this before. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, and so I just had some people who were really patient with me, but it really took me a long time. Like I'm not one of those people who's always wanted to be a mom and, but you're right. Like watching some of my friends, start to have kids and getting to see in real life up close what that looks like and getting to know their little person and like totally falling head over heels for their little people just taught me like, I don't know, it just showed me a kind of love that I didn't, that I didn't know was possible. And so we, I mean, when it came to making the decision, I was a little bit nervous because I've never, we've never decided that before, (laughs) you know, like how do you get on the same page? But like, I don't know, it just sort of, this is really annoying to say, but like, it sort of just happened. Like we just sort of like one of us kind of floated the idea and the other, like, I mean, we said like, you know, maybe in six months or something, we'll start trying or we'll revisit this then. And we both just had about six months to kind of process it. And, but we did, we kind of came to, came to the place at the same time mm-hmm. that we were ready to start trying. Yeah. And so then what, then what? Uh, we, how long ago was that? That was almost exactly two years ago. Well, it was almost two and a half years ago that we, that we decided we'll start trying in six months. So yeah, but about two and a half years ago that we like said, this is on the horizon. And then we, I think our first month trying was about two years ago. Mm -hmm. So it, it didn't, didn't work right away. Yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. How long do we try before we like, what were the steps? Well, so we started trying and when we did, first of all, I had to, we had to learn, I'll speak for myself because you, you knew more about science and biology and stuff than I did. I paid attention. In class. Yeah. Um, I didn't remember anything. The last time I had a health class, I was like in high school and I feel like the lesson was like, 
how not to get pregnant. So like, I don't, I don't remember ever really learning a whole lot about what it means, like what it looks like to try to get pregnant. And so that this is just another example of why girlfriends are so important because I remember girlfriends telling me like, there are only a few days a month in your cycle that you can actually get pregnant. And I'm like, come again. Yeah, like, right. like 36 hours. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. And like, there are apps that you can track everything that's happening in your body. That, like if you're trying to get pregnant on purpose, it's a really good idea to kind of track your body and what your body's doing. I had no idea about any of that. I had girlfriends be like, order this on Amazon, <laughs> like try and like right. get download this app. And stuff. so I'm really grateful for that. And I knew that statistically the average couple tries for around six months for at least six months, mm-hmm. something like that. I think like three to six. Before getting pregnant. And like, it's like 98% of couples, these stats are slightly off, but it's like 98% of couples will get pregnant by a year. So I knew it wasn't going to happen necessarily right away. But still that first month when we weren't pregnant, I cried so hard. Like, mm-hmm. because you just think like, I don't know, like I'd spent my whole life thinking it was just really easy to get pregnant yeah. and like trying not to, you yeah. know? And so- I was really disappointed that first month and like every month after that. And we were tracking everything. We were trying everything, like every wives tale, every hack, every suggestion. I tried not to stress about it. By the way, when someone's trying to get pregnant, <laughs> That's the worst. And you tell them, do you know it doesn't have to be just about stress. It could be anything, but the worst thing you can say to somebody who you think is struggling with stress is, Oh, don't be stressed. Yeah. Like, did you know that like stress is bad for pregnancy? I have so many friends that they just stopped worrying yeah. about it and got instantly pregnant. Oh. Like I tried that too. Yeah, right. <laughs> this thing you're worried about stress? Have you tried not worrying about it? Yeah. Yeah, Karen, I tried. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, so we tried everything, including not worrying about it. Right. Um, And we, I mean, we tried for, I think, this is why I'm glad we're telling this right now instead of yeah. like two years from now because we won't remember. Um, I think we tried for 14 we started doing some tests, some initial tests at like maybe 11 months because we were good yeah, friends right with our around doctor. around the threshold of like a year. Because normally if, if you're under 35, they won't, and you don't have any like major pre-existing things, they won't test anything about your fertility until a year. Yeah. But we kind of like begged a little. And so we started testing a little bit early, um, but we tried completely on our own, like really on our own for about 14 months. Yeah. And that's when I I think that, I want to hear from you, Carl, like what the hardest part for you was, but I think one of the hardest parts for me was I was so excited to tell our families, like we kept it under wraps that we were trying for a a year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How did we do that? Well, there was nothing to report. Like, man, there was no news. <laughs> well, so, our families were really kind and didn't like pressure us or ask us yeah, about well, anything. And so the, the other piece of it was like, we wanted it to like, when you go into it, you don't go into it thinking it's going to take a year, right? You always, and that's one of the things that's really hard about it is that like, you try to be optimistic and you try and go into like each month going, okay, this, like, maybe this is going to be the one. And you don't, there's like, there's no way of knowing how long it's going <laughs> to take or what, if it's going to have like work or not work or, or anything like that. And so it's not a conscious decision of like, okay, we're, you know, it was always, we're going to tell our families like when we get pregnant and that just never came. And so eventually enough time had gone by where we came to the decision that like, we don't want to be, we're tired of being in this alone. And the 
the discomfort and the stress and the difficulty of being in something this big for so long by ourselves um, was just something we didn't want to do anymore. And so finally, we, after about a, a year, we told our family and, and invited our family into that. And they were, they were so awesome about it and so encouraging. And there have been so many people since doing that, since inviting people in, it has, there are now so many people who have been a part of this um, with us, most of whom we don't know, but just people. And a lot of people who like have been praying for us, but had no idea what they were praying for, mm-hmm. just knew that they were supposed to be praying for us. And that's a very, I, I pray that everyone has an experience like that. I don't, I don't hope, I hope that it's not for something bad, but there's something really cool about, about corporate prayer, about collective prayer. And it's, that's been a, that's been a cool thing. I think that I totally agree. And I think that like, yeah, we sat down with our parents at about a year and told them, you know, we've been trying and there just was something so like, it just was such a bummer. Like that, that sucked so much because I was so excited to tell our parents. Like I just, you know, our, we're both the oldest in our families, the first to have grandkids, like our parents don't have grandkids yet. And so I just knew that they were going to be so excited. And I was like, I could picture the look on my dad's face and on my mom's face and on your parents. Like, I couldn't wait to see that. Mm -hmm. And instead we had to tell them we're trying to get pregnant and it's not going well. And so that just like, that was, I think a really big, like, I mean, they were wonderful, but for me, that was a big loss. Uh, and we'll kind of talk about this, but God's like really done something cool in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to mention that. So, so Carl, what, like, do you want to talk about the process of us, like inviting help in and kind of what the beginning of that looks like? Yeah. So we um, have a really good friend who worked at a OB. Yeah. Just at a, at a regular OB. And we said, this is kind of what's going on. What do you think we should do? And she said, Hey, you should come in. Like, we'll start, like, you should start doing these tests and stuff like that. And you can see if there's anything, you know, there are things like a lot of different layers of things that can go wrong. And you just kind of start to eliminate, you do some tests and start to eliminate possibilities. And so there's like some mechanical things, right? Of like things could be blocked or whatever. There are biological things, uh, in terms of like maybe you're not producing eggs or maybe the eggs aren't good or maybe the sperm's not good or, they, they can test all of that stuff and figure out, are there, you know, biological things that aren't happening or are happening incorrectly or all that stuff. So you go through this process of just kind of starting to eliminate things that could be going wrong. But in our case, there was nothing wrong. Every, like we're both really healthy and everything's functioning the way that it should. And it's, so you end up at a result called um, undiagnosed infertility. And that just means we don't, no one knows why this isn't working. Wait, unexplained infertility. Unexplained infertility. Diagnosed unexplained infertility. And yeah, all that means is that there's like, we don't know why it's now, it should be working and yeah. it's not. And that's hard. <laughs> that was a really hard thing that no one can go through this process of, of, you know, trying for a year and not working and you're not really sure why. And then you start to do these tests and start to go to doctors and like, start to figure things, like eliminate things and you don't really know why. And you go, okay, well, what do we do to like, what do we do next? 
it was a really big deal to to go to a fertility clinic. It was like, oh, so this is really happening. Like to really own it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really do. And like you're sitting in the waiting room. And the thing that was really cool is I will never forget our doctor like looking over the table at us. And and I think I had said, like, you know, we're tracking the timing, we're tracking our site, like my cycle and all this stuff. And he looked at me and he was like, We're past that now. And he was like, We're gonna do everything we can to help you have a baby. Mm-hmm. And it was just really there was something really freeing about asking for help because all of a sudden we weren't in it alone anymore. Yeah. And that was like, I don't know, that was this huge gift. I didn't know it was going to like, it was daunting to make that appointment, but yeah. walking in there and, and finding out that there's someone who knows more about this yeah. than we do and that they're going to take over in a lot of ways was right. so comforting. Yeah. I think a lot of, it's a big step and a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts about, about that. It, there are questions that you have to, answer i think for yourself and that we had to answer about what we wanted to do and how do we feel about this how do we feel about um asking for help right how do we feel about these different these different things and again not to be like prescriptive we're only telling our story but it was really relieving and really helpful and really positive thing um, for us This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship.
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. So what we did, just because I know someone's going to be like, I'm in this, like, you know, what does this look like? So our first step, our doctor said, and he said it um, in our very first appointment, which kind of took me by surprise. I had had gr- girlfriends try to get pregnant. And the first step was like, take some drugs that make sure you're ovulating, like make yeah. sure you're ovulating. And then that was it. And then there's like, you know, a couple more things to try after that. And our doctor, he said he wanted to try those, those drugs um, to make sure I was ovulating. And then he wanted to do at the same time, something called IUI, mm-hmm. which is interuterine insemination which I don't know how to explain without the super crass way of explaining it. I think it's the way to do it. People like they cl- like yeah. Informally, <laughs> you can say affectionately it. known as the turkey baster method. But it's not a turkey it's baster. It's not a turkey baster, a, but that's yeah. the idea. I think yeah. maybe at some point it like kind of was. was. Yeah. yeah. Um but that's the idea is that you are essentially so all of this stuff is about like we said about removing uncertainties and removing variables and so the variable that you remove when you do IUI is the ability for like sperm to get to the right spot and right? timing and the timing of things and we i mean we had a lot of hope in that because they were taking away all like we couldn't get the timing wrong we couldn't do it wrong we yeah. couldn't like there was no like they took all chance out of it it felt like um, still. and it was crazy because one of the things that was, I think probably one of the times I saw you got, get, you get the most upset was like, there was one time where my body made like four eggs at once or something. It was only one time. Yeah. And then I don't know, like when you're talking about sp- sperm, you're talking about like millions. Right. And so it's like millions of sperm are dumped on four eggs that they know are there at exactly the right time and you don't get pregnant. Like, and I just remember and you sitting still there go, some people do it by accident. You were like, like looking at the nurse, like statistically, this is insane. Yeah. We're like, yes, it is. And there's a lot, like we've learned a lot in this process, obviously, 
about, you know, part of the reason why I think it's important for us to talk about this is because everyone talks like it's, you know, when people have a baby, you don't know all the times it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, and so we don't know how common it is or uncommon it is. And we don't know all the things that go into it. And we don't know what, you know, what's normal. I think that, you know, part of our hope is to give some context and to help people to understand that wherever you're at and whatever you're going through now or whatever you will go through or whatever, like there's not really, there's a broad spectrum for what's normal. You're like you said earlier, you were kind of raised like, this is how it happens. And then when it doesn't happen that way, or even you learn things about like, that's not, it's not that simple. Then it makes things a little, it just adds a lot of confusion. And I don't think we've done a very good job like of getting a very comprehensive education about this stuff. And so, yeah, just the process of, of realizing that there's a lot more uncertainty in all of this stuff. So you're not alone. Yeah. So Carl, we talked, so we did IUI and it wasn't working. Right. And so do you want to talk about like how, how IVF happens, like how we decided to do that? It's kind of the only next step. IVF again, in terms of like eliminating variables, it's like, okay, now we're going to like eliminate the variable of, of timing, of environment, of all the stuff. We're going to take this egg and literally inject the sperm into the, into the egg. And you think, oh, that's a foolproof way of having a baby. <laughs> but no, actually, it's not. It doesn't always work. So isn't it like I think it's like between 60 and 70% success rate or something like that? Yeah. And even then, like there's all kinds of we're yeah. sitting in. We're, so you have to do an, a class, at least at our clinic. And again, these things will vary clinic to clinic, doctor to doctor, but we had yeah. to do a class that was like most of the day. And when they were like, yeah, it's so they like the chances of success when we inject the sperm into the egg, like is like 65% or something like that. Yeah. You were like, what? <laughs> In the middle of the class and everyone turned to look at you. Because like, it just, like, just yeah, no, mind. it's real. So the, what happens to, to kind of go through this pretty, pretty quickly? Cause it's a lot of like, the logistics of this are not that important. And so I don't want to like focus on logistics, but I think it's like other people have questions and nobody talks about it. And yeah. so I think we think it's important to, to talk about. So really quickly, the way that it works is they give you again, some more hormones, some more drugs to help you produce as many eggs as possible. Yeah. And then keep them in you. They store you just like bloop, 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 all these <laughs> eggs. Right. And then it starts to feel really full. Yeah. 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 No, like literally. And then you go in and you have a surgery and they remove all of the eggs and they inject them all with sperm. That day. Yes. And then in a lab, you see how they progress and how they grow. And so only like for, you know, the ease of math, we'll just use some like good round numbers, but like, let's say you get 12 eggs, right? Statistically, like let's say eight of them actually, like you fertilize all of them. And only eight of them like actually, actually, fertilize. yeah, fertilize, actually become like actually grow. And some of them stop. They don't grow anymore. Some of them like, and that's about 50%. So if we started with 12, only eight fertilized, let's say 50% of them actually grew to a point where they were big enough. Um, they were down to four, like healthy embryos or embryos just in general. 
then you can test those embryos and see these are healthy, these are not, these are irregular, these have something that may cause a complication, right? So- and usually, like, the thing that we didn't know is that half of miscarriages are caused by a chromosomal abnormality, mm-hmm. which is just, I was like, okay, does that mean that there's something wrong with us? Like, are we carriers of a disease or something? No. It just means it developed weird. Yeah. And so either, like, either the egg won't implant, so you'll never get pregnant. You'll never know, right. Or, like, that, it won't get pregnant that time, or you'll have a miscarriage. And so they're like, you you don't have to do that testing, but for, they were like, I mean, otherwise you're sort of rolling the dice and you're maybe putting in an embryo that's not going to make it. Or can lead to complications. So the whole yeah. goal for us and our fertility clinic, our doctor and everything, was for us to have do everything we can to ensure that we have a healthy, a healthy baby. Yeah. And so part of that for us was doing this this testing. Yeah. Right. So after all of this stuff for us, we ended up with one yeah. healthy embryo. And that was a really big bummer. Yeah. Which is hard to say because I know that like, you know, when some people don't have any, some people don't have any, but like when you're going through this, I mean, IVF is incredibly expensive and incredibly time time consuming. We've given me so many shots. Like I've had two procedures now because they, the procedure to take the egg out and to put the embryo back in. I mean, it's been months of our life and you're really hoping that like, you're really just hoping you don't have to do this again. So if for some reason, the first embryo, even though it's healthy, doesn't implant for some reason, you're hoping that you have like a backup. Right. Or you're hoping or that, that if this was so hard of a process that if we want to have another, another kid, baby, we already have done this process. Right. We would have other embryos because you can keep them. You can save them. Yeah. And they're them, fine. Crazy. Um, it's a whole crazy different thing. And yeah. But so then the last step of this, right, is you take this healthy, this one healthy embryo that we had left and you put it back in. You put it back into the uterus and then it hopefully attaches to the uterus and starts to grow. Yeah. Um, Which is what happened. That's what happened. So Carl, like emotionally, what was IVF like for you? And I feel like we should sort of add that we we started IVF, it, like the world felt decently normal, but like right as we were getting into the thick of it, like the most important, like the most important time right. pressing parts, we found ourselves in a global pandemic. Right. So like emotionally, what was this like for you? Um, the biggest thing we already talked about was just the fact that like, it's, there can be, you can remove the whole process of like two years of trying to have a baby and systematically, strategically, scientifically removing all of these variables and all of these, you know, wild card aspects of this process to then get to a point where still at the end of all of that, the overwhelming feeling and the thing that I walked away from that I will forever walk away from this all with is that you still need God. There's still something bigger going on than the science. Cause it's not like, the statistics don't make sense. And the, the, like, at some point you stop going, like everyone has kids and going like, how does anyone have kids? Like, how does this even like, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I think that that's the thing to me. Uh, Oh, it was hard and it's challenging and it's emotional on so many levels, but an appreciation for the, the, 
parts of this that are just bigger than us and bigger than the science and bigger than the, like, yeah, bigger than the things that we know and can control is that's the, that's the stuff that I appreciate. Yeah. That's the stuff that I really have a, a greater just awe of. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I felt. What about you? How, what was your, where's your heart in this? Where do you like, was your faith in this? I mean, I, so you said this a little bit earlier about like, you have to have enough hope to like go into the next month. And we talked about that a lot. Like you tried to keep your emotions like pretty stable throughout the month. Like you wouldn't like your hopes wouldn't get up too high. And so in some ways you weren't quite as disappointed every time it didn't work, but like not, it's really hard to not ride that roller coaster because in some ways, like you have to hope and believe that it could work this time enough to try again. And that's, and that's hard. So you have to build up that much hope to try again. And then for the next two weeks, like they call it the two week wait, like the next two weeks when you're waiting to find out if you're pregnant or not, you're like, trying to keep your hopes down. You're like, it didn't work this time. I'm positive. It didn't yeah. work this time. But at the same time, you're trying to like believe that it could. Maybe I should be hopeful because this like stress isn't good. Yeah, and seriously. and <laughs> like, maybe being pessimistic about it isn't good. Like if I'm hopeful, like, yeah. I don't know. You just, it's just brain a, goes to weird places. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, um, like messes with your mind. And right. so, I mean, it was so many ups and downs. Like I feel like it was especially hard for me around holidays sure. because I was like, oh my gosh, getting to tell our families at Christmas. Like something about telling our families meant so much to me. And mm-hmm. and it just, I never, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know how long it was going to last because I think if you told me at like six months, I remember crying so hard at six right. months. If you would have told me how much longer we had to go, like I just, it just would have been so hard. Yeah. And in all of it, like, I, there were times when I was mad at God. There were times when I was questioning God. There were times when I felt not questioning like whether he's real, but just question like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> um, like, are you getting my emails? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, there were times when I was mad at him and frustrated. And I think though, in it all, because we've been through enough things that have been hard and uncertain where we like weren't sure how the story was going to end, I think in like, just because I've gotten to see him do this over and over again in my life, deep down in my very, very deepest parts, I believed that God was going to do something awesome out of this. Mm. I believe that he had something good for us. Granted, I didn't know what that meant. Sure. Like th- that could mean us being sort of surrogate parents to all kinds of kids. It, or like, yeah, I mean, it could have been, we're the best aunt and uncle ever. It means right. we adopt. It means like, could have meant all kinds of things. I had no idea what it meant but I've never gotten to the end of a piece of my story with God and been like, my plan was better than yours. Yeah. It's always been his was better than mine. And so I knew very deep down that that was the case. But again, I had no clue what that looked like. And I didn't have any sense of the timing. Right. Like when we were, so they put the embryo back in and you have to do the two week wait. Yeah. And you're sitting there waiting to find out. And for us, this was our one shot. If this didn't work, we had to start completely over financially, timing everything. And we couldn't really, because at this point, like the clinic closed because this was in like, it would have been right. Like, oh yeah, everything was closed. Yeah, everything Cause it was, was closed. Everything was shut down. I think, oh yeah. We kind of forgot to talk about that. The, we, we managed to get in like a week. Our, our transfer of when they put the embryo back in was like a week before everything closed down because of 
because of the pandemic, which was just crazy. And every time we went into the doctor, we're like sanitizing everything. I mean, it just was like a whole other level. But so, yeah, I mean, we're like, how long would the clinic be closed down? Like, how long could we, could we afford to try this again? Like, maybe not. Um, and so during that two weeks, like, I think depending on the day, I'm glad that us being pregnant, like, wasn't contingent on my emotions because one minute I'd be, I was like, I'm pregnant, I'm positive. <laughs> and then the next one I'd be like, I'm not pregnant, I'm yeah, positive. I can tell you it has nothing to do with attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I've, we didn't mention this earlier, but it's really frustrating that the symptoms of early pregnancy and the symptoms of like just PMS are literally exactly the same. So there's like no way to know. And you're trying to read your body and you can't, you don't know. And so, I mean, I had no idea. I had no sense of the timing. I had no idea what God was doing. And even up to, up to the minute when we got the phone call about our blood test to tell us if we were pregnant or not, I had not one clue what the answer was going to be on the other end of the phone. But I did, I did deep down, even when I couldn't totally grasp onto it, or even when it was hard, like, even when it didn't make me feel better, I think because of what God and I have been through, through life so far, deep down, I really did believe that he was going to pull this off somehow. But again, that could have been in 10 years. I had no right. idea. So how did you find out? How did we find out? Well, yeah. So, so they told us not to, not to pee on a stick because part of the fertility thing is you're pumped full of so many drugs that you could get a false positive or a false negative or whatever. And so I legitimately like didn't. And actually, you know, everyone's story is different, but like, I didn't do very many home pregnancy tests throughout this whole thing because I was really convinced they only gave one answer. Like they don't have two options. Like it's always no. Um, and so Not big fans of the home pregnancy yeah, test. Yeah. yeah. They never told me what I wanted to hear. And so we had to go into the clinic to get my blood drawn and we were so nervous. And then we had to sit at home and wait for like five hours or something like that until they called. And then our IVF nurse, who's the sweetest woman ever, called us and I my phone rang, my heart dropped. I ran upstairs to find you. I think the first thing I told her was like, Tina, I think I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> She's like, okay, are you ready to hear? Um, and she told us that we were pregnant. And I mean, like, what a crazy thing to hear after, after all of this. Yeah. So we found out we were pregnant at six, six weeks or no, four weeks. Told our, we told, we told our family and friends pretty early because they knew that we were going through IVF. And so again, that was like a little bit of a bummer. It was in the middle of the pandemic. So we couldn't really tell anyone in person and everyone knew exactly where we were in the process. And so again, it was like, not this getting to surprise them. And I think, again, that, like, that was just kind of a, that was a loss. That was something that I had to grieve. Um, but Carl, something happened that took us by surprise. Do you want to tell them about our six week ultrasound? So we go in um, for our very first official ultrasound and we are so excited to like see this baby and one, like you're excited. And then also you know, you want to make sure that it's still in there and that everything's going smoothly and it's like, it's growing the way it's supposed to and that there are no problems or anything. You want to like see a heartbeat and and six weeks is still early for a lot of people. A lot of people don't have an appointment at six weeks. Yeah. We've had a lot more appointments because of IVF. Because of IVF. Yeah. And so, yeah. So we go in and you're not sure, like maybe you see a heartbeat, maybe you don't, you know, all these things. And we do the 
ultrasound and he like pulls it up and like sure enough there's this tiny little like gummy bear thing in there <laughs> that's what it looks like this tiny little you know it like yeah and like damn that's awesome and he goes okay like there's like this is the head and like that's the heartbeat and you're like oh like something about that like makes it just really real like this is happening like this is really gonna yeah, this is really going to happen. And so he like does the thing, like takes the pictures and everything like that. And in that moment, he's like, okay, everything looks good guys. And like in my spirit, I just thought like, where's the other one? And he like moves the ultrasound thing over and he goes, wait a minute. Like, do you see this like thing and this heartbeat? Like, yes. And he moves it back and he goes, okay, do you see this thing? This like, and this heartbeat? Like, yes. Okay. So you guys see it too. Like you see this one <laughs> and this heartbeat and you see this one and this heartbeat. And he said, yeah. And he says, there are two babies in there and you're going to have twins. And that was a whole different level. Like that's a whole nut. Like, so we are, we're having twins and they're going to be awesome. And it, identical baby girls. Yes. So our one embryo became, became two little girls. And it's, like I said, the, the thing for me is that like the takeaway is that this is bigger than the science. Like this is bigger than you, like no one made it turn into two, took one thing and made it into two people, right? Like no, nothing about this process like caused that. It's not because of like anything, it, it, you know, because yeah. Like, so twins can run in families and my, my grandma was a twin, but identical twins don't run in families. Yeah, identical twins genetic, are right always a miracle. Just, it, they always just happen. There's no, there. yeah, there's no scientific way to make, you can make fraternal twins. Sure. You, nothing you do, like identical twins are literally like, it's only something God can yeah. do. So that's, that's been really cool. And, and to the Steph's point of like, knowing that like what God would, would do in this is bigger than the hopes that we had for it. Like we all, all became really real. And I don't like, I'm not going to, I, I like, do I wish it was easier? Yeah. <laughs> Has like, still is the result better than we could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mentioned a couple of times and maybe this is silly, but I think that if you guys are listening, like you're not going to think it's silly. Just like how badly I wanted to surprise my family with this, you know, and, and Carl's family, so we got to, and, and this, like, to me, this shows that God is, that he cares mm -hmm. because that was something I, I kept asking in my darkest moments. I knew that God was big. I knew that he was powerful. I knew that he could make this happen, but he wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that's what was so frustrating to me. I'm like, God, don't you see our suffering? Like, when will you make this end? Why, why don't, like, do you actually care? Do, do you, does it matter to you that we have a baby or when or how or what this looks like. Do you have, like, I know you could make something good happen, but are you going to? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, one, yeah, he took 
he he made something happen that no one else possibly could have. He mm-hmm. took one thing and made it two. And it's just incredible. But so we all of a sudden, everyone knew we were pregnant. Like our, you know, we ha- we missed out on getting to tell our families, like, surprise, we're pregnant. And then when we were pregnant, it like wasn't a surprise. And also it was like via FaceTime. And then all of a sudden we have this giant twist in the story. And it was just so cool. And it was yeah. cool because we decided to hang on to the news for a while ourselves. And we did for about six weeks. I think we, we've sat on it and just kept it to ourselves and for a month. a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But a month. So we just kept it to ourselves for a month. And so every time our parents would say like, how did your ultrasound go? We were like, <laughs> everything looks good. Looks good. Like, oh, can we see some, can we see some pictures? Like, nope. Oh, we forgot. Oh, sorry. Oh. It's left it at home. We'll show you later. Like we, we sent just... one of Steph's friends a picture of us one time. <laughs> yeah. So my best friend, Michelle was like, Stephanie, I want to see an ultrasound. Like send me a picture of an ultrasound. And we were able to send the very first one because remember he took the photo before, before we knew there before were two. We knew there were two. So we sent that one. And so Michelle's like, Steph, you've had like four ultrasounds at this point. I want to see this baby. Like show me this <laughs> show baby. Show me some pictures. And so I took a picture, like a selfie of me and Carl, like in the waiting room. And she just like <laughs> couldn't even, de- like she, yeah. I think she was at work. And so she was like, I couldn't even like, you know that that's not what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. But so we held on to the news for about a month and it it was one really special to just get to have something be ours. Like it was just really special to get to have that secret be ours. And then two, we got to like blow telling our families out of the water and we faked everyone out by telling them that it was going to be a gender reveal. And it was, but also it was, it was a gender reveal, but it was also a quantity reveal. Yeah. And I mean, it was just it was amazing to get to see the looks on our family's faces. They were so surprised. They were so happy. And it just like, it, it just was such a cool reminder to me that God cares about the little things Yeah, that he saw, he saw that that had made me sad. And, and he like, he's able to redeem anything. Yeah. Like there's nothing. That's the thing that that's the word that, that comes to mind for me. is like that, like God's able to, redeem surprising your your family yeah with you know the the loss of of that or the you know we and that kind of thing yeah that kind of thing gives me hope yeah there's a lot of things you know i don't know i don't think i'm not i don't know how god works i don't know what god's plans are right like god knows his plans i don't i i think that some stuff that happens some hard things that happen to us happen because we live in a a world that's broken and in a, a place that's hard and in a like on a, on an earth that's not finished <laughs> but also and and so like do i think that Personally, do I think that like God made us not have kids? No. But can God bring really good, like God is actively redeeming the broken things in the world. And that gives me a ton of hope. Like we are very much all individually, as as communities as a 
country and a nation as a world, as a, a human race in process. But like God is in the process. And even the things that are the most painful the or details the details of the process. The de- yeah. That's, that's what that tells me is like getting to see my, my parents face when we told them that we were having twins, like that surprise. Yeah. Like God cared that I, that I missed out on those surprises. Right. right. And, and he, and he did something cool. Yeah. I don't, like I said, I don't think that the whole thing is like orchestrated. So this happens, but I think that like in the midst of it somewhere, right. Some how God says like, yeah, telling you, telling your family that you're pregnant is a really cool thing. And that's a bummer that like, that sucks. That's that, like that, that's not, you're not going to be able to do that, but this is going to be really great. Yeah. This is going to be really cool. And you're going to really like, it's going to be okay. I think that's the thing. Like that's hard. That stinks. I wish that wasn't like that, but also it's going to be okay. And we're going to find ways to make it good. Yeah. I know, you know, there are women listening who are like, I don't know if I ever want to have kids. Totally. Which is, I want to say, like, we are all like wired to do different things in this world. And if that is not one of them for you, like, awesome. Yeah. You are not less than as a woman at all. Um, but we have people who are thinking about just trying or yeah. like, or who are in the process, who are starting IUI or starting IVF, or maybe have several failed IVF cycles. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going through this right now, whatever this means, you're not alone. You know, there's so many people who this is their story and you're not alone. And I would encourage you to, to find other people who are in this with you. Let your people in, let them pray for you. Let them invite other people to pray, even if they can't tell those other people what they're praying for, because yeah. it's it you just don't have to go through this alone. And I promise you that God hasn't forgotten you. He can and and will and is doing something beautiful through this, even when you can't see what it is. Carl, last but not least, would you just pray for any for anyone who's listening right now. Yeah. Yeah. God, we know that this is a this is a really the the gift of of life, the gift of um being parents, the gift of being grandparents, the gift of being brothers and sisters and of of being part of a family is is of you. It's your design. It's your creation. You you figured all this out. You are the one who um, said, this is how it's going to work. And I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful that we get to be part of families, that we get to have, um, we don't do this alone that you, I think that your example, like you coming, Jesus being a a baby and having to be raised and having parents and having brothers. And like this process is, is, there's something important about it. There's something like sacred 
in, in family. And what's cool is that we all have family. Sometimes that's biological parents. Sometimes it's, it's not. Sometimes it's spiritual parents. Sometimes it's biological siblings and children. And sometimes it's spiritual siblings and children. And sometimes our community and our family as people that we're related to. And sometimes it's people who, who are not. But this concept of family is, I think, so such a foundational element of of how you created us to to be and and how you created us to thrive and so we thank thank you that we get to participate in that that we all get to be a part of that um that you through this journey you've been in it with us and and i know that um through the questions that we have the, the i have no you know there are no illusions that I have that the questions are done now. <laughs> like there have been questions at every step of the way and we're just starting to, to ask new ones. And that's just the way this is where we don't know all the things, but in that we have you and we have um, really good people. I'm glad we get to do this together. And I'm, I'm glad that, um, we can take comfort. We can all take comfort in the knowing that um, you're in this with us. So whether it's the process of, of getting pregnant, the process of being pregnant, the process of having kids, raising kids, and all of the in-betweens, we just really thank you for the blessing that it is to be alive and to be a part of of creating life. And so help give us wisdom, help give us strength, help give us patience, be with all um, of our friends and, and people that we know, people that we don't know who are in the process, who are struggling, who are celebrating, who are unsure, who are grieving, who are hoping, who are just getting used to the idea that maybe that maybe they're ready. We love you and we know um, and are so grateful that you love us. Thanks for your son. You guys, thank you so much for listening to Carl and my story. I'm so happy to finally get to catch you up on what's been going on. Now, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. Won't send you an email or anything, it just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you would take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night. I'll see you next week.